0: I just sat through your anti-relational voicemail because I have the best news ever. I'm doing a podcast. Oh my goodness, I'm dying right now. It's called Recovering. Okay, bye. Give me your strength and show me your weakness. We're in this together now. We're in this together now, give me your love and tell me your secrets Cause we're in this together now, yeah we're in this together now Welcome back everyone, welcome to another episode of Recovering. I am your host Jennifer Don Watts. And today we're going to be talking about getting real in relationships. And so we're going to talk about our one-on-one style relationships. And then next episode is going to be talking about getting real and being in groups. And so this is important to me because I think that with what we've talked about so far, the idea that tougher doesn't work, okay, people can accept that. Okay, real does. Okay, people can accept that. But then I often see people trying to be real and then they find out that, people are jerks (laughs) and so then often it feels like we're trapped between okay well what do we do because We want to be more authentic, right? And there's all this encouragement, like be brave, you know, be vulnerable. But then people are rough and their egos get involved and then ours get involved and it just doesn't go well. And so it really pushes us back into where we've been and who we've been. And it seems like it's easier. And I don't blame people. I mean, we need relationships, right? We need relationships in our life. We have since the very beginning of our lives, Uh, for me, even my higher power is relational and so um the trinity right god father uh jesus holy spirit the three of them relational like it seems integral to who we are And so if you look around, there aren't many people that do well if they have zero relationships, right? We all need each other. And so what do you do? Because you want to get real, you want to be more authentic, um, but then you try and then maybe get shut down. Um, So then it feels like, well, I'm just keeping my mask on. I've just got to stick with it and keep the peace and not rock the boat. And so often when we feel trapped like that, it feels like an either or situation or black and white thinking that's usually the lie that's usually not true the truth is found in a third way through and so that's what we're going to talk about today So um, how I thought I could illustrate this concept, I'm sure that you know what I'm talking about already in terms of people shutting other people down, but I see it so often and so I just saw it recently and I thought I could give you this example so that maybe you could even identify a little bit better with what goes on. And um, what's helpful in this story is to see where you can identify with the person who is trying to tell their story and their truth. But what's also helpful in our own recovery is to get really honest with ourselves about when we're also the person that shuts others down, okay? And it's not our fault. It doesn't mean that there's any shame in that. We've learned that from somewhere. We didn't start like that. We've learned it. And so we can also unlearn it. But what's really helpful, again, is to avoid what we talked about in the first episode, where we're the good guys and they are the bad guys, right? <laughs> and where we can really identify with everyone in the story. Okay. Okay. So I had this party at Living Well, which is a counseling practice that I have in Calgary, Alberta, and I have a few locations. So there was a lot of people there and we have our holiday party every year in January because December is just crazy for everybody leading up to Christmas. Plus we're helping other people, our clients with their own anxiety about family, Christmas, et cetera. And so January is just always a great time to have our holiday party. And this year, we decided to go with the self-care theme, which is like so therapist right? And so instead of getting gifts for one another, what we decided to do was to buy a gift for ourselves. And um, we were to wrap it and to bring it. And for some people, self-care means just like buying a bag from the dollar store and throwing some tissue paper in and not putting stress on themselves to wrap it perfectly. For other people, it's really taking the time to wrap it, et cetera. And so that's what we did. And so we opened our gifts together and we got to explain why we bought what we bought for ourselves. And so it was so interesting learning about each other in that way. And then also not having the like awkward. I mean, we've never done White Elephant. I did that when I was younger. And like, I know you're not supposed to get resentful, but I totally do. (laughs) So we weren't going to do that. Um, But uh, in the past, we've bought presents for each other. And that's been great to get to know what other people like and to be kind to one another as well. But this year, we're buying for ourselves. And so one of the therapists in our group, um, when she first walked into the party, I've got to say this because it's so interesting to me how it lends to the story. So when she first walked into the party, I noticed her. Out of everybody, I noticed her, and she looked really beautiful. And she had this really nice um, blue shirt on with... uh, longer sleeves but they were rolled up and she had her jeans on her name is Cheslina and she said that I can tell this story so I'm telling it um but she looked gorgeous right and I didn't say anything I just noticed that and I thought wow you know she looks amazing and so when she was opening her gift um I was listening to her and she started talking about how she really really struggles with body image and it's been an ongoing struggle for her and as she was sharing this I'm listening going Really? Like I never would have thought. I mean, she looks great to me. I'm also listening because, first of all, I'm surprised. So sometimes when we get real, people are surprised and they go, Really? Like you struggle with that? Wow. That helps us to feel disarmed, like we're all normal together. Um, but then secondly, I was really intently listening because as she was getting more honest about the struggle in her own life and showing that to us, um, being honest, I wouldn't say getting more honest, she was being honest. I have those struggles too. I really do. That's in my top areas of recovery that I'm one day at a time working through. And so I'm thinking, wow, you know, she's just like me and the soul inside me or the child inside me is listening going, okay, she really gets it. And so what she did as part of her self-care was she bought herself a leather skirt. And it was this short, sexy leather skirt. And she wore it for New Year's and she just embraced the body that she has. And it was so amazing. And she's telling the story and everyone was leaning in and listening. And so it was great. The energy in the room was amazing. And then what happened is what often happens after somebody's real. One person in the group was one of our therapists, but one of our support people said something to the effect of, yeah, you just have to love yourself. something like that and so that comment shut cheslina down and she um you could see her kind of just say yeah and kind of smile yeah 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 for sure something like that and everyone in the group who had their hearts open and they were leaning in kind of leaned back and so the whole dynamic changed in the room and so in 12 step, we call that crosstalk, and we don't allow crosstalk. When somebody shares and they open their heart, there's no crosstalk allowed. So you just listen, thank you for your share, move on to the next person. So it's really important to me. You know, at the end of these podcasts, I encourage people to start a group. And it would be so great to listen to these weekly and to get together with a few friends, you know, have some wine and cheese if you want to, or if you're in recovery and can't have wine, you could do some coffee and baked goods or something like that. But these concepts are meant to be studied. It's not just a one sitting kind of thing. They're meant to be studied and then practice and and working together with others that are doing it with us. Just like similar other meetups, you know, meetup groups were all started because if we're doing it together, if we're hiking together, if we're learning to run together, it's a lot easier. And so I really do hope that people get together in groups. But one of my fears, if I'm being honest with you... Is just that people don't understand these basic concepts of what they've established already in 12 step, or maybe they do understand it and they're gonna do it anyway. But crosstalk in meetings is like, ugh, it just tells souls this is not a safe place anymore. And so, whatever you do, just try to be aware of that. Try to be aware of when people open their hearts to you and start sharing. Try not to do that kind of power play move and just have something to say. It can be really hard to say nothing, um, but just be gentle and cautious with your words. You might say, thanks so much for sharing that with me. Like I really connected with what you were saying. Something like that, right? If you don't want to just be silent. But listening is is so powerful when a, when a soul makes an appearance like that. And so, um, yeah, I think that the problem with getting real that I see, I see it all the time in my therapy practice with clients, is they learn that they can trust me and they start to get honest. And then they try to practice it out there in the world. And they find that the people around them that are closest to them in these one on one relationships aren't really there yet. And so, a lot of things can happen. One thing that can happen is people get defensive and they start, um, you know, really not liking what you're saying, usually that's if you're bringing up something about them, right? And you're trying to be real about something in the relationship. Um, Other times people get threatened when you start talking about maybe your dreams or your hopes, and you're trying to get in touch with that part of yourself and where you want to go. They might um, in themselves be too afraid to grow or pursue their own path. And so they might try shutting you down because it's like all this talk about getting real and being who you really are is just all sounding too risky to them and like pie in the sky or something like that. And so they'll try to minimize what you're saying um, because it feels very threatening to be around that energy because their ego doesn't want them to start thinking like that either. Um, I've seen times, I saw this recently on TV where um, a guy started to get honest about um, he was in a relationship dating someone, and the person dating said, uh, some of the ways that you speak to me make me feel small, like you're better than me. And at first he got defensive, because that's what we do often, but then it was nagging at him, because he knew that there was some truth to what she was saying. And so he was, it was bothering him and bothering him, and so he um, He wanted to go back to that conversation, which that's the great thing about getting honest is it's not one and done you if you have the right people in your life even if there's a couple of them and you're trying you can come back to that conversation right and so um he was processing what was happening and these nagging feelings and was kind of keeping him awake at night like is there any truth to this and often when people approach us it doesn't mean that it's totally true what they're saying we don't have to accept it like hook line and sinker but there could be some truth to what they're telling us and it's a gift because it's like how many people in our life are really the people that are brave enough that are going to tell us, um, what our own issues are right it is so rare unless we're like paying a therapist or unless we have really brave friends most of the time all of us just try to keep the peace and so he had this moment where he was told something about himself that he could work on and it was something that actually he had worked on earlier in his life so it was really eating at him because he'd already tried to not be that person Um, but then he was feeling that vulnerable feeling or that emotional feeling when we're getting real and so he went to his friend that is A girl. Okay. So he didn't go back to the one that he was having the conversation with. He went to his friend that's a girl. And that friend had a lot of ego stuff. And she was so used to seeing him strong. And so when he was getting emotional and starting to cry, she was loving it. And you know, those people who they actually feed on the fact of when we're seeming weak because they see us as so strong. That's happened to me a lot, right? Because people just assume that I'm like so strong and I'm the CEO and blah, 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 and I'm a therapist. No. I have suffered in ways, oh, I I I could do episodes on the levels of suffering to get to this place. And it's true that most of the people that you hear something that you that is valuable, that have some sort of wisdom, they have had to suffer and walk through their own pain to get there. But people don't know that about me. I just look like this girl that's like got her crap together with someone that's like easy to hate, right? My friend and I want to do an episode called Bitch. <laughs> Cause it's like, you know, oh, you're you're attractive and you're smart and you even have money. Like, screw you, right? We don't want to hear good things happening to you, you bitch, right? And so people love it when I'm weak, like when I'm when they see me crying and suffering. Um, because it's like, oh, good. Like she just doesn't have all her crap together. And and the people who have major ego issues, they'll actually get some. Like, get a bit of a high off of having power over me in those moments. So, I've had to get rid of some of those people in my life. And so, if any of that resonates for you, you know, if you've um, been the person that's like relieved to see somebody else that you thought was strong with weaknesses, um, if you've been the person that Everybody thinks is strong and then when you show some weakness, others try to have power over you and they like that you're weak. Um, If you've had conversations in intimate relationships where, you know, you've tried to get honest and the person's really defensive, but maybe you get to come back to the table. All of this is so normal and um, it's just worth talking about early on in this journey, Because this is what blocks us. If we don't know what to do at this stage, um, we're just not going to get real. And that's what I think is happening in the world is it's not that people don't know that they want to tell the truth. It's not that they even don't know what the truth is. You know, one long time ago when I was watching Real Housewives, I remember I was seeing this dynamic happen and I thought, this is what's happening between these people. This is what's happening, you know, and I went to the blogs because I always hear them mention the blogs. I can't even believe I'm telling you this, but I did. I went to the blogs and I thought, I'm just going to tell them what's really going on. And it turns out, guess what? Like hundreds of people can already see what's going on it's not like I'm the only person aware of this so we know what's going on it's not that it's not that we have to be told it's that then when we try to tell the truth it's what happens after that that's the major major problem so where do we go from here do we keep hiding and keep the masks on do we try to get real and then have all this stuff blow up around us like what do we do so here's my answer to that question First of all, I think that the journey of becoming more authentically yourself starts with observation. So sometimes we learn a new concept and we get so excited about it, we want to try it right away. You can do that. Nobody's stopping you. And if that's how you feel prompted, go for it. But if you're not too sure, it's okay if you want to observe for a while so just watch for these concepts in whatever you're doing the group dynamic I talked about at work my friend's situations what I see on tv I like to observe so that I can really see it better and be given those eyes to see and so if you're doing that you're still practicing without actively practicing. You're still trying to understand what real really looks like and then what ego looks like when we're faced with that as well. Freud was an observational genius. I mean, everything that he's done, you know, for psychology, where we are today, the word that we use, ego, um, he started with observation. So that counts, that matters, and all progress is progress, right? So I think that that's just a great place to start. Second of all, Um, If you're ready to start, uh, one of the things that I've seen is people make the mistake of starting with getting real in their intimate relationship. And I get that because we want to be honest with that person the most, but often that's one of the most difficult. And so I would say if there are things that you're facing that you feel like you've been hiding from others whether it's addiction issues, whether it's you're really, really done with your job and you have to do something different, you can no longer stand being there, whether it's these dreams that you have that you want to pursue, um, whatever is going on for you, try to think of who are the safe people in your life, you know, try to make a list. Who are those safe people? Even if there's only one person, who are the people that you know that if you were to reveal yourself and be more authentically you, even if you're crying, even if you're upset, even if it's hard to find the words, even if it's not your typical self that you present to the world, that they're not going to do that power thing over you and they're not going to get defensive or as defensive, that it's going to be safer. And so um, the thing that I see so often, and I don't know why this is so, I, I don't really know, it could be for a lot of reasons, but I often see that the people who are safe in other people's lives, the really good friends, people when they, by the time they get married and have children, they really don't make time for those people. They're so caught up with work and expectations of what it means to be a good dad or a good mom or a good worker in whatever their job is. You know, they're so caught up with that and their intimate relationship and their kids um, that they just don't make time for these safe people in their life, quality time that's regular. So that's the difference with 12-step. Is like we have to have a sponsor, we have to have at least one person that we consider safe that we meet with regularly. Uh, but in real life, as you know, at least as a westernized type of person, it turns out that you know your small little family with your partner and your kids, um, or if you're like me, a single parent, and so just your kids as your family, that's not enough, right? We really need. The these other people to help us in the journey and so think about who those people are and then make time for them if this is really important to you recovering means that we put first things first and the priority for me is that if I'm not well ain't nobody else around me going to be well I'm not going to be helping anybody so I have to make time for these people in my life And then when you're talking to them, you can preface it. I find that warning people about what's coming helps decrease their anxiety. And so um, if you are about to get real, let's say I'm about to get real with a friend and I'm about to tell them about something that I really, really want to do in life, but I haven't told other people and I'm so scared and I'm confused and I might get emotional when I'm talking about it, if I just start trying to tell them if they see me struggling because my soul's trying to come out and it's it's having a hard time, they might worry that it's about them. <laughs> so their defenses might start going up right away because they can sense my anxiety and they'll pick up on that energy and they'll start getting anxious. So it really helps if I say something like, um, "I just needed someone to talk to. Do you mind? I'm processing something about." You know something that I want to do in my life, and I'm really scared, and I've been just keeping it to myself. But I just need someone that I can talk to. Do you have some time to talk? If I say that to them, whoo! Like what a relief. It's not something bad about me, right? You might be experiencing this anxiety because it's your own stuff that you're going through. Whew! Right. So I would preface it for sure, and then um, you know I would just try to help them know that you're you're just sorting something out, and you may be emotional and that's part of it and you're learning that getting real actually sometimes means that there will be some tears and that that's okay they don't have to fix it it's not that you're sad it's actually a really good thing Uh, but just helping them understand so that they know what to do because in that group example that I gave you with the skirt the person was trying to be helpful that did the crosstalk because we feel a bit lost we don't know what to do so if you help them to help you by saying man, I just, and I know that there's not going to be a resolution to this today. And I don't even think that I'm looking for one. I just want to be safe where I can talk and like have somebody who who's willing to hear me. It helps so much that just lets them off the hook of trying to solve it as well. So observation, meeting with safe people in your life, making time for them. These are great ways to start getting real and authentic in a safer way so that you don't just go back into your shell. Third thing is the people in our close circles. So sometimes in those one-on-one relationships with the people that we care about the most, we need to get real about something. Something is nagging at us and we need to have that conversation. And so what do we do then? We can't avoid it forever, right? And you may be facing that, so I don't want to completely avoid it even though it's not the easiest place to start. So what can I tell you that would make that a little easier? Well, the first thing that I would say is that... um, In your intimate relationship, if you're having these issues where you're facing big problems and you're kind of arguing about things, first of all, know that that's normal. So 69% of all things that couples argue about in their relationship are these unsolvable problems. They've done research for like over 40 years and everybody has them. And so if you're having the same argument that you had last week, that you had last month, that you had a year ago, that you had five years ago you are normal. Okay, that's the good news, right? So it doesn't mean that you picked the wrong person, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that helps. Just normalize the fact that okay, we're having these problems on this particular thing. This is our thing. And if you switch to a new person, you're just going to have a new set of things that'll be your repeated things, right? So that can be really helpful to know. Second of all, um a lot of times I see with couples, people will say oh, we have communication issues. And it it just grates on my nerves when I hear that because people think that's the problem. They're just having communication issues. And if they could just learn to communicate better, then everything would be solved. But that's not actually true. What we've learned in relationships is that if you want to look it up, um, Gottman Institute, they have the sound marital house theory, uh, theory or sound relational house, they might be calling it now. But anyhow, it's this picture of a house And there are these foundational elements and there are the walls that go up that hold the house up. And managing conflict is on like level five or something like that. So there are these foundational elements in your relationship that if those aren't doing well, it is going to be so difficult to have these conversations. And so... You might have to be willing to work on the foundation for a little while and practice those things to start. When I've worked with couples in the past, they've been so surprised when they come in and they're just ready to get into it and they want to tell me they're, you know what they're fighting about and see who's right and who's wrong and whose side I'm on. When I tell them that like we can't even go there to start, first we're going to start with an assessment, a three-session assessment to give them like a state of the union address basically of what's working, what isn't. It's so meaningful for them to find out what they're actually doing well that they didn't even realize. And then we're going to work at the foundation to get to the place where we can have these conversations, because it turns out that when we like the person that we're trying to talk to and get real with, the conversations go so much better, right? So if you don't like the person, like that's a huge problem, right? So we have to work on that first. And so know that doing the work before doing the work is actually doing the work as well. So be willing to consider, okay, am I willing to put in some time first to get us to a place where we feel better about one another before I go into it. Second thing is the whole idea of preface it again. You can say to them something like, I have something that I want to bring up with you. Um, Make sure that you make enough time for this, where there's, you know, the kids are definitely settled in bed, etc. I have something that I want to bring up with you. My goal is to not attack you. I know that I've done that in the past. I really don't want to do that today I'm learning that's just my ego getting in the way. I want to connect with you and I just, I want to be honest with you. I don't want to be dishonest and I don't want to wear a mask with you of all people. And so this is something that I'm really struggling with in our relationship. Prefacing it like that can be so helpful. And you can even say something like, if we find ourselves getting into a place where we get heated, because I know we've gotten heated before, we can take a timeout. It doesn't mean that we leave the conversation indefinitely because somebody or both of you will feel abandoned. But you can say, if things get really heated, why don't we just both agree, mutually agree, that we're going to practice this idea of a timeout and we'll take, you know, 30 minutes, walk around the block. You know, go do something else, watch a show, calm down, and we'll come back to the conversation again. And if that doesn't work, you know, maybe we'll take a day and come back to it again. But set a time where you're going to meet again and and try really hard. It is so hard to take timeouts when things are getting heated, but that's a way that you can really work on honoring the other person. Um, because anger, if I'm angry about something and somebody's crossing my boundaries, I might say something like, you know, I don't like when you do this. That makes me uncomfortable okay, that was just me getting angry. If I end up on top of the other person, like beating them up and I can't stop, that's called rage. That's not anger, that's rage. And so often I see rage in so many different contexts and I'm like, that just isn't going to be helpful to what we're trying to accomplish together. So keeping in mind that at the end of this, you want to be closer, you will be closer. If you can be more authentic and they feel that you're safe, They might just start to be more authentic and you'll experience intimacy and your relationship will actually be better. So keep in mind, that is the goal, not just to be heard, not just to be understood, but also to seek to understand. The third thing, which relates to that, um, that I would suggest is be prepared to be open to hearing some of their feedback. Okay, so this is probably one of the hardest parts, but we have to accept the fact that we're not easy to be in relationships with either, right? And so um, I have to practice this all the time, that I have to be willing to invite people to offer me feedback. And I haven't always been good at that. I remember one time a couple left our church, uh, Q Faith Community, one of our faith communities, um, and they got so mad at me in an email because they said, You're passive aggressive, you know, and they were so mad and then they just left and they said I couldn't tell anyone that they sent that email and I could not respond to them at all, right? And so, I mean, being a pastor is so hard. Being a church planter is one of the highest burnout rate things you can do. You know, how they handled it with not letting me know or giving me a chance to respond wasn't good. But the point is they were right. I can be very passive aggressive. And so they were doing me a favor. The way that they did it wasn't so helpful. It wasn't helpful to our relationship, but I had to really reflect on myself. Okay, what situations am I passive aggressive? What situations am I aggressive aggressive, right? And then what do I need to do about it? And how can I work on that? And so I think that if you're wanting to approach somebody that you really care about in a relationship, I think a great thing for you to do is to say something like, and I also understand there are things that I'm doing that aren't really contributing to our relationship being well itself, and I want to listen to those things too. So I want to give you a chance to talk about that as well. It might not be today because this is such a big, heavy conversation, and you might need some time to think about it, but why don't we come back in a week, and you can tell me what you think about what I said. You can come up with some things that might make it easier for you oh my goodness, when someone has been brave enough to tell me um, how they feel in our relationship, oh my goodness, I just feel so thankful that I at least have a chance to work on things and I can try to do better for them. And it doesn't mean that everything that they say is going to be true or right. And it doesn't mean that they're going to approach it well, right? Sometimes when we're in 12 step, we have to tolerate a little bit more of the other person's ego because we have to remember, hey. We have a program here, right? You have someone that you're listening to like me that's trying to help you along. They don't. And so we might not get back the exact approach that we use with them. But if they're trying, if they're trying to be gentle, and if what I do is if I find myself getting heated and like, you know, I'm just holding my breath or I'm really ready to bite back, I try to calm myself down in that conversation. And I just notice it's getting heated and take a take a step back. But especially the people in your life that are willing to come back to the conversation Oh my goodness, those are the ones that you want to hold on to that aren't just done with you after, you know, a a difficult conversation. And then you just have to sweep it under the rug and pretend that it never happened. So that's what I have to say about the one-on-one relationships. Now, some of you might say, oh, this sounds great, everything else, but you just can't think of people that you can do this with. That's okay, because that's the whole point of why we have meetings, So if the 12 steps work so well for people and it was this wonderful program that people could just do the steps on their own, which is why the big book was created, then there wouldn't be meetings, right? But there are meetings all over the world. Millions and millions of people get together and they work on things like this with a structure um, that helps us to create safety for one another. And they learn together and they practice sharing from their own experience together And so, um, that's what I'm going to talk about next time. If you want to put a group together and you want to have, you know, and you can have a meeting with two people. I love that about 12 steps. So I can have a meeting with two people and I have before, so it doesn't have to be a lot, but even if you have three or four people that want to get together and practice this, there are resources for that. So next episode is going to be all about groups. And yeah, I can't wait to talk to you about it because I think that's where we're going with this. I think it's great for us to try on our own. It's great to try in our intimate relationships. But if we have a couple people that are doing it with us, man, that is where real change happens. So stay tuned. Well, I hope you heard something today that keeps you coming back. In closing, I want to remind you, like any good sponsor would, That to keep it, we have to give it away. If I want to stay well, I have to get outside of myself, and the same goes for you. So, who do you know that needs this? Pass it on. Another way to carry the message is to host a meeting. It's easy, it only takes an hour, and in 12-step, if you can read, you can lead. For more info on that, go to QFaithCommunity.com. Thank you for letting me share with you today, and thank you for helping in my recovery. Let's do this together one day at a time.